Welcome back to this episode of the Inside School Podcast. I have my uh, very, very special um, football co-host, as I like to call him. Uh, Ken Julian is back. Say what's up to the people, Ken. What is up, everyone? We're going to talk about everything uh, NFL, college football, really focused on on um, certain topics. But this is going to be all football this episode. We're going to talk about the NFL Top 100, um, talk about my my favorite NFL team going through turmoil with the name change, um, and also get into college football, deep dive into preseason uh, selections in college football. Um, I had to talk about the NFL Top 100, uh, Ken, because I was so livid at the very top. So um, we're going to go, you know, talk about the guys that, that you think are, are too low that should be higher. Um, and then we're going to talk about the guys that we think that are too high. And I, and I want to start off because this is the impetus of why we're talking about it. There is no way on God's green earth that Pat Mahomes should be number four. Yeah, that one confused me, too. Like, so one of the things I had to look real quick was try to figure out, all right, is this like a, a writer's thing? Is this something the media did? And apparently, no, the players also voted in this. I was, there's there's some things that confused me about it. That's, that's all. Yeah, I, you know what's interesting about it is that I learned that I think the vote is in like November, which is an issue in itself. Yeah, I have to come up. Um, yeah, I don't see how you can vote for who the best player in the NFL is in the middle of the season. I think it should be done after at least the regular season, but definitely I would say after the postseason. Um, because it's not like this isn't all pro. This right. is not one hundred. So you have to factor in all the aspects that garner the NFL, which is the playoffs. And from the lens that is during the season, so if I so and this will color my when we do our we're gonna do our top ten for the people listening. Um and this will color my perspective on the top ten. Um is if you do a regular season, okay, cool. If you do a postseason, okay, cool. Either one of those, and maybe that, maybe now I see a little bit more, a little bit more of why Mahomes is number four. But he was number four last season, and it just is it's remarkable to see that something drops in July, and he hasn't changed despite having a historic season, but that includes the postseason. Right. That. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's just confusing. And, and this is supposed to be a list of the top 100 going into the season, the new season. I, I, I don't right. understand. Like you said, like the voting doesn't make sense for when it was voted. I, I, I'm just confused by it. Yeah. So that that's my, that's my first one is that to me, Matt, Patrick Mahomes should definitely be top two. We'll get into if he's number one and number two. Um, a little bit later, but at least top two, not number four. He's a third quarterback. He's behind Russell Wilson. That's just no no shade to Russell Wilson, but there's no way Patrick Mahomes is behind anybody after this season, unless Lamar Jackson. And that's and that's that's something that I can stand by. Yeah, I can stand by that being debatable. That, that that's fine, fine, sure. But like Pat Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league. I guess you know. It, it, yeah, and Lamar had Lamar had an amazing, amazing season. So once again, I get who's your next up for who you think was was uh was too was too low. Well, too low. 
Um, I had some uh, issues with uh, Aaron Donald. I think he should be number one, personally. <laughs> um, he's literally the best player in the game, the best at the position that we probably have ever seen a defensive tackle. He's the best pass rusher in the NFL as a defensive tackle. And it's not even close. Like he has the most pressures, the most, he had a down year for himself as a defensive tackle. Cause he didn't have as many sacks as he had last year, but he still had more sacks as defensive tackle than anybody else ever did. Except the year that he had more. So, right. and, and they dinged him for this. They said, oh, maybe he's not an MVP this year. I was like, well, what curve are we grading him on? the all-time ever great of himself. So I was right. like, all right, whatever. It's like the LeBron James thing. I feel like he should just be the defensive MVP every year. But, you know, you got to give it to somebody else. Praise right. be to Stephon Gilmore. Got it. But I think he should be number one. He's a little low. Um, Pat Mahomes, I was with you. I think he was low. He should be, at least be number two or three, depending on how you feel about Lamar Jackson. Fine. And I'm cool with Lamar being in the top three. Um, Julio Jones is the best receiver in the NFL just he's freaky athletically, and I think he gets dinged because whatever the red zone issue is with between him and Matt Ryan or whatever it is about him getting in the end zone, he's got the most yards and the most receptions in the past three years. He's probably the guy that you want, you know, on the field if you had to pick a wide receiver first. And I, Tyreek Hill, for some reason, he's not in the top ten. He's down in 22, I think it was. He's literally the most dangerous weapon on the field in the NFL. I don't understand how he could – anybody who even plays receiver outside of Julio Jones could be ahead of him. I That that was beyond me. And uh, there were two big ones, really, actually. Casey Hayward and Chris Harris Jr. They're not even on the top 100. Casey Hayward had the best single-man single coverage of any cornerback outside of Stephon Gilmore this year, and he had the best last year. So – I don't know where they're losing Casey Hayward. I think what him and Chris Harris are getting is like this, you're a slot corner, and that's kind of like this uh, negative connotation when it's actually a really hard thing to do. And Casey Hayward has actually moved outside now too, so I don't understand why he's still getting that connotation. And Chris Harris is one of the best slot corners. not one of the best, I'm sorry. He is the best slot corner in the league and can play outside. Denver had him playing outside last year a lot too. I, I, how they weren't on the top 100, that's beyond me. And uh, Ryan Ramchek is better than Tyron Smith right now. And I don't even think I saw Ryan Ramchek won the top 100. Did I? Uh, no, I don't believe. No, I think he's at the very. Yeah, he's at. He's, he might have been. Uh, he might be ahead of Tyron Smith, I think. Because Tyron Smith was. Let me check real quick. Tyron I think Smith, I might have. Smith is 78. Yeah, Tyron Smith is 78. Ryan Ramchek is 82. That's what it was. Uh, and I feel like Ryan Ramchick is clearly better than Tyron Smith. Don't get me wrong. Tyron Smith was built in a factory tackle, will be a Hall of Famer. Right now, Ryan Ramchick is not only is he better, but he's on a higher trajectory than Tyron Smith if he stays healthy. So I think, you know, those are my two low. Those are my two people are too low. I, I agree with you on Julio Jones. I will say, however, based on this season, I have Michael Thomas higher. Um, and that's fine. Hey, no, I'm cool with that. Actually, I, if you want to make an argument for Michael Thomas, don't get me wrong. Look, Michael Thomas and Julio Jones are like one and two for me. Right, right. You want to do that. Tyreek Hill, I just feel like is – if you want to put Tyreek Hill, put him closer to Michael Thomas if you want to put Michael Thomas ahead of Tyreek Hill. Not, not at 22. Like, I was like, hey, come on. This is like... Yeah, and um, Tyreek Hill is um, – he's below Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, DeAndre Hopkins – He's a fourth receiver, um, and 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 
I, I mean, I didn't write this down at, at, at first, but DeAndre Hopkins being that high, being a top 10 receiver is something that surprised me, especially with the fact that Julio's number 11. Um, I think DeAndre Hopkins is obviously one of one of the best receivers, but I think that's pretty high. Um, yeah. You know, Julio has to crack the top 10, um, hands down. I had somebody else I had that I thought was too low was Nick Chubb. Yeah, yeah. Nick Chubb is number 36. He was second in the NFL in rushing, but it's also his yards per carry. His, mm-hmm. He had a, an exceptional season. Um, and I think that when you look at all the factors, 36 is just too low for him. He should be much higher. And I know, like, Christian McCaffrey is going to be ranked higher for a lot of people because he's a, you know, dual threat at, as a receiver and a, and a running back. I get that. Um, but, but is he as good as Nick Chubb is at what he does? I, that's what my assumption was of this this ranking. wasn't necessarily a are are you good at a certain position that fits more into the NFL? Like, no, it's are you good at your position no matter what? Right. Or, and I and I look, I'll I'll carry water for Nick Chubb. I think he's the best running back in the NFL right now. Mm. Yeah, right now I think he's fifth on this list. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Aaron Jones, by the way. I don't understand. I was like, come on. Yeah, he he actually is below. He's below Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones number thirty. He's number thirty six. I don't get that either. Um, my my last person who I think is is too low, Darius Leonard, number fifty. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't understand how Darius is that low. Um. And and although I think he's a freak of nature, Jadavion Clowney's number forty one. Yeah. No. Um. And it, Darius Smith is number 48, and he's above Darius. And based on the season he had, I'm not against that per se. Um, but I think both of them should be, be be higher. It's just, yeah, that that really surprised me. That really surprised me. Yeah, that surprised me too. I, I think Darius Leonard constantly gets this stigma of – I don't even know what the stigma is, but he's he gets constantly underrated – but people think they're rating him correctly by giving him credit. And I, I think he's right. one of the best linebackers in the league. I'm not saying he's Bobby Wagner yet, but I think that he needs to get a little bit more credit than he's getting. He's, he's the, I don't know if you can be like underrated, like slightly underrated, but I feel like he's getting slightly underrated. I think Darius Leonard's rookie season was so off the charts that not matching that is a letdown for some people. Yeah, probably. And I think because he just – he came out of nowhere. As we know, he went to an HBCU, went to South Carolina State. Mm-hmm. No one expected him to even start for the Colts, let alone have arguably the greatest season for a defensive player as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, and then his season after that, he wasn't – you know, he didn't have as many tackles, but he was, you know, the, that guy. And it's I, still good. I, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's still good. Yeah, it's similar to what you're saying about Aaron Donald. When you set such a strong first impression in the league and then you don't necessarily match that, but you, you're consistent, you get dinged on it. I mean, and, and this happens all the time. You're talking about, like, uh, with Aaron Donald. This happens in coaching, right? Like, if you think about on any level of coaching, but I'm thinking in my mind um, in college football, right? Like, when's the last time Nick Saban won SEC uh, Coach of the Year? Or, or Urban Meyer winning a Big Ten coach yeah. at Ohio State. It doesn't happen because the expectation is so high 
Right. If he didn't win a championship, you don't win it. But the guy who went from six and seven to uh, nine and four is generally going to win the coach of the year. So it's just the it's, it's that that kind of mindset I would say when it, as it pertains to to those guys. But that's that shouldn't be their fault that they've maintained such a high level success. Right. It should not be, and people should grade on the the normal curve that everyone else does, even if they have outliers. <laughs> right. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Okay, so so who are our guys that you think should be lower? Oof, God. So I love Derrick Henry. I think what – and I followed him, you know, being a Florida guy. I followed him since his high school days in Florida when he broke the national record for career rushing yards. He's good at what he does, and I think he's really good at being a big back to be able to get into space and to really let loose. I just think running backs as an asset as a whole – aren't that valuable, which turns – and the reason they're not that valuable is because almost anybody can do it. Derrick Henry basically had – I think it was something like 300 yards more than basically the average running back would after contact, which, I mean, it makes you really good in the running back world. But, I mean, if you think about the difference between that, I don't know if that makes him an outlier as a running back. Like, if you could – that's why I think Nick Chubb, by the way, is a better running back. His yards per carry average – consistently over time would be more than Derrick Henry's. You know what I'm saying? Even with uh, 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 a less than um, favorable passing offense that he had in Cleveland or a less than favorable offensive line that Dick Chubb had in Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? I think Derrick Henry's is getting a little fluffed up, but he's really good. I, I, he should be in the top 20. I think maybe just, you know, back him up a little bit, put Nick Chubb up there. That's my theory on that. Chandler Jones he's one of those guys whose numbers are a little overinflated because he's always on the field, which is a good thing. Always on the field. He has way more opportunities than a lot of guys. So his sack numbers are going to be up, but as the percentages of his sacks to his win rate and his pressures is a little low. It's like an average, an average number. So I think because of that inflation of sacks, we look at sacks and we're like, Oh yeah, he's got all those sacks. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. I get it. But he's also had a lot more opportunities than a lot of people. And I wonder if maybe he should be back a little bit. Uh, Tom Brady, I don't think should be that high. They call me <laughs> the guy now, but he's a little older. We saw it last year. And um, I think, look, he'll look good in Tampa with that receiving core and the offensive line, and they'll put him to work and do the things that he needs to do. But I think he's lost a step a bit, and I don't think he should be that high necessarily. Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't even think should be on the list. Um, again, I go back to Chris Harris and Casey Hayward. Those are two guys who should be on the list. Those are two guys I named off rip that should be on there instead of him. But yet he's ahead of people like uh, who was it? I saw right behind like isn't he ahead of JJ Watt? I think he's ahead of JJ Watt. JJ Watt was like forty four and he's forty three. Yeah, he's ahead of JJ Watt. Uh, he's ahead of Darius Smith, Darius Leonard. Like these are all guys who have literally produced way more than Jimmy Garoppolo has. Now Jimmy Garoppolo has been decent, but I don't even think he should be in the top one hundred. Um, Tyron Smith, I would like to see him actually be healthy for a whole season, but being lower where he is is fine. Todd Gurley, kind of the same thing there. I don't understand why Aaron Jones is that high. I, I get that he's good, <laughs> sort of. Like, he's he's decent and can be good when, you know, put in position to be good, but that's not what this is. These are guys who are good no matter what sort of thing. You know what I mean? I don't right. I don't think you're splitting hairs with Aaron Jones saying, well, you know, this, this, and this against Nick Chubb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Uh, 
Granted, he's look, he's the best player to come out of UTEP since Seth Joyner. I'll give you that. <laughs> but what, what, what does that mean? I'll add to Aaron, to um, Aaron Jones. I mean, this is the best season he's he's ever had. Yeah. And but being this is the best season he's ever had in the NFL, he was twelfth in rushing yards. Yeah, like just <laughs> so like some like, of the eighties. He <laughs> that high when for for example, Leonard Fournette didn't make the top one hundred. You know what I'm saying? Leonard Fournette was seventh in the league in rushing yards, but this guy's twelfth, and he's number you know he's he's that high. It's just it's that one that one stood out to me too, and it's funny. My um, and I looked at this, and and, and I'll get back to because uh, I I put it in the wrong section. Um, I had two guys that I think were too low, um, that I I put in my in my wrong section. Justin Simmons and Jordan Hicks are not in the top one hundred. Oh yeah, good point about Justin. yeah. I I forgot about the Justin Simmons thing. I'm glad you brought that one up. Yeah, and Justin Simmons, I I love Pro Football Focus, um, because of how they break down statistics. Mm-hmm. He's a top-rated safety in the NFL last year, according yeah. to Pro Football Focus. And he let, and and just off raw stats, he led all safeties and pass def, passes defended, and he was tied for fourth in interceptions. Yeah. And I'm like, how does this guy doesn't make the top 100? Also, yeah, George Dix was a third leading tackler in the NFL and had three interceptions as a, as a linebacker. Like, I don't know how this guy doesn't make top 100. Um, it's, it's funny when you bring those up, like, people who ask you the question, well, who do you take off? <laughs> I'll throw names to you. <laughs> right. Like, I, I I, mean, Fred Warner is good, <laughs> but I don't know if I'd have him over, like, the season Jordan Hicks had. Right. Uh, you know, he's in the top 100. If I'm thinking about um, safeties, uh, DB might be a little bit different, but would you put based on the season? Let me ask you this. You got – there aren't that many safeties that are in the top 100. There aren't. You know, you got Harrison Smith, you got uh, Buda Baker, and you got Tyron Matthew, Minka Fitzpatrick, Jamal Adams. Based on this season – I just think you take off somebody else and just move him up. You know, I, I don't think it's so much that you find somebody in his position. Yeah, I agree with you. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I, you don't need to find somebody in his position. You, for me, like, you could take off Josh Jacobs. You could take off Jimmy Garoppolo. You could take off, right? right. You know, for, it, it, and not just that they weren't good. It's just that in comparison to Justin Smith, in comparison to Hicks, you know what I'm saying? Like, these guys weren't playing at the level they were playing at. You want to bump them down, bump them down. Marlon Humphrey probably should be up too, by the way, at 86. He was, he's probably the best young corner in the league right now. Yeah, I mean, I look at, like, I think DK Metcalf is nice, but he's top 100. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like he's a one-trick pony right now. Let's wait till he, you know, he's not there yet. You know, granted, he has the ability to be there. He's not there yet, so I, I would I would take him off for, for – um... You know, Frank for, Clark, you know, take him off. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, and, and once again, anybody listening, it's not like we, we think these guys aren't good players. You know, it's just top one hundred with you know twenty two positions on the field, I and mean, really eleven, I guess you could say. But oh, different. No, yeah, it's it's not not so much uh, cut in half. You know, it's two running backs or two wide receivers, but say about twenty different positions in the in the NFL. You're gonna only have maybe four or five guys, and right. The other 
these guys in this situation, I think they deserve to be top 100. Um, getting back to, to who I think is is should be uh, should be lower. Um, because Julio was in the top 10, I have to say George Kittle. He's the best tight end. I would say I mean, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey are the best tight ends in the NFL. Yeah. Um, whoever you want to say is first or second, they're both really, really, really good. Um, but I don't think George Kittle should be over Julio Jones. So he's too he's too high for me. He was number eight. I, I, he's too high for me. And second is is we mentioned before, but JJ Watt. He's number forty five. I, I think right now, JJ is and he's a first battle Hall of Famer. Yeah. Similar to what you said about Tom Brady, but I wouldn't put him top number forty five right now after the season he had. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think a lot of this, too, depending on the guys. I've seen guys go from unranked to top whatever. Yeah. When guys are in that class, it's very, a lot of people, it's very hard for them to drop down. So I think that's one of the reasons why J.J. is so high because, I mean, J.J. at one point was like number one, number two. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he should be that high. Those are, those are the main guys that I had. I was more so focused on who I think should be moving up. Um and I think in the context of that, you find out who I think should be moved down, you know. Um, but but with that said, who do you have is your official top ten? We can't. We're not going to do the whole NFL top one hundred. But who's right, your top order in the so, NFL? Top ten, of course. Like I said, Aaron Donald. Uh, after him, I'd go with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, third, I actually will go with Russell Wilson. I do like that he is dragging this offense, kicking and screaming two wins because they just want to keep running the ball and put him in bad positions on third and longs. And yet he's able to pull them out of it with his ability. So I just imagine if he was in an offense that said, Hey Russ, let's, uh, let's have you throw in high volume. Let's see what we can do with that. Um, Lamar Jackson. I have a four. He's dynamic, unbelievable. I think once he gets his whole setup uh, as far as a, as being a full QB, like, Learning the position to a full extent of being in his prime, I think he'll be extremely dangerous and probably what we like to look at Russell Wilson as, we'll see as Lamar Jackson. What also helps Lamar Jackson, by the way, is Greg Roman in that offense. Is Taylor made it for him, which is which is even more dangerous. Um, I think at five, I got Tyreek Hill. I think he's the best he's, – he's the most dangerous thing that makes Pat Mahomes have the ability to get 50 touchdowns in a season because – what do you do as a defense to cover that? You you don't have that. Secondarily, what do you do as a defense to cover Julio Jones? You don't have anything. There's nobody in the league who can just do that and just cover that. So I have Julio Jones right after Tyreek Hill. <clears throat> Quentin Nelson is actually after him at uh, what is that, seven. And then Stephon Gilmore, best cornerback in the league right now, tentatively at eight. He's got people chipping on his heels, Casey Hayward, Marlon Humphrey. Uh, George Kittle's actually at nine. He is behind Julio Jones. Don't worry. And um, I have Michael Thomas. At- okay. I have I have Lamar Jackson, number one, just because of the, the season he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Got to reward that. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, number two. Um, I have – and actually, and so that's, that's what I want to get with. If I'm going from the context of just regular season and it cuts off, then that's why I have Lamar Jackson, number one. If I'm thinking about what we suggest and it should be postseason, then I have Pat Mahomes number one and I have Lamar Jackson number two. That's fair. I, I mean, I honestly, that's probably what I did anyway with this postseason too because like, I, I just think consistently Patrick Mahomes is going to be something 
at the end of the day, at the end of his career, that he's like a for me, he's like a mix between Dan Marino and Aaron Rodgers. Mm. <laughs> like he's gonna be, it's gonna be insane what he's gonna be able to do. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. That's why. So that, that's why I wanted to. I mentioned it before. I want to get back to that. That's that's my one and two right now. If it's regular season, Lamar Jackson's number one, Patrick Mahomes number two. But if it's total, if this is done in the postseason, I'm going based on going into the season. I have Patrick Mahomes number one. I have Lamar Jackson number two. I have Aaron Donald number three. I have Michael Thomas number four. Julio number five. Russell Wilson number six. Christian McCaffrey number seven. Stephon Gilmore. Bobby Wagner number nine. And George Kittle. <laughs> Just so my defensive people and linebacker people, Bobby Wagner will be 11 for me. Just in okay. case you're wondering. <laughs> I yeah, love linebackers. Yeah. I love them. And I love Bobby Wagner. He's really good. I do too. So, so speak, keeping it with the NFL, it's been a couple weeks since uh, my lifelong favorite team the um, has has made it their official announcement about the name. <laughs> we, were, we were for people that uh, that don't know and don't don't try to throw tomatoes at me. We were called the Washington Redskins um, for a long time since 1933. And we have decided, uh, rightfully so, to change the name. But instead of changing the name, we decided to make a public announcement and say we're going to call ourselves a Washington football team, which we have been called by most media outlets for the last three years out of, of, uh, you know, protest to our name. So it, it just made no sense to me that they made this public announcement. It's like we're gonna make we're gonna have a press release to discuss when we're gonna drop a press release. Like, no, no, just come up with a name. Now, the bigger issue with it is, is a couple things. From the name itself, there was a guy in Northern Virginia that had bought the trademarks to like all the names that were floating around in public. Mm-hmm. The Red Tails, the Red Hawks, the Warriors, bought the domain, bought the bought the trademark name. And said he would give them up uh, for free to the team. But what ended up happening is somebody else in Northern Virginia bought the domain names to a lot of these names. And I think that's what the, that's what the holdup is. Oh, okay. Um, the naming along with the sexual harassment cases that were coming out, like right around that time, mm-hmm. uh, I think Daniel Snyder has officially – just the way I say that, I think Atlanta is going really hard to try to be the win the gold medal in the Corona Olympics. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Daniel Snyder has officially taken the gold medal as the worst owner in professional sports. He, I mean, he's giving James Dolan a run for his money. I tell you that, sure is, and and I think he got it. I think I think with this, um, I think with. That tie with the sexual harassment, the culture. I mean, he wasn't involved in anything that they said, but the culture he created with uh, with the franchise just goes along with, like, most people from D.C. are just fed up with him. And now I will say for some of the people, and I've discussed this with um, uh, one of my friends had me on uh, a Zoom call, kind of recorded, uh, was talking about the team, and we were all flabbergasted by the amount of African-American fans who were against the name change. And um, it was mind-boggling to me, but I was talking to one of my uncles, and and he eventually kind of turned the corner. At first, he was like, "Ah, oh, it doesn't matter," and then he 
eventually was like, you know, I felt embarrassed that I was wearing Redskins stuff. And, and I want to be very clear. Um, in one case, I will def- I'm only going to defend Daniel Snyder one time in my life, and it's about this, is that he's getting a lot, or he got a lot of flack for the name, but he didn't institute the name. He just kept it. Now, he should have changed it, but don't treat him like he's the creator. This is George Preston Marshall. The NFL should have never allowed this name to be uh, given in 1933. Um, we've had Jack Kent Cook as our owner, and now we have you know Daniel Snyder. Um, it's not Snyder's fault for the name. It is his fault for, for, for maintaining it. But also want to be clear, as fans, and I can, I probably can speak on most of our fans. Um, I've always been an advocate. Once you know, we became a big thing. You know, I've always been an advocate for changing the name. But I want to be clear in saying that I've never in my life heard anyone from Washington D.C., D.C. area, or fans of the team ever use that term outside of describing our football team. Um, doesn't make it necessarily better. Um, but just in context, when people say like, oh, how could you, you know, it's, we, we, we literally have never, I've never used that term to describe Native Americans, um, never even thought of it as something to describe Native Americans, never heard of it described, you know, so yeah. um, I just want to give that context um, to still say I'm still an ad- ad- advocate for um, the name being changed. I think that I'm, you know, I'm 35 years old and it should have never been named that. Um, but once you realize the wrongs of maintaining it, you change it. Um, I think that we need to, we need to come up with a new name. It's just the way we handled it. I mean, at one point when Snyder said, we're absolutely not changing, it was just like, you gotta be kidding me. Yeah, man. I was like, Oh, that was, it was, come on, man. Like, <laughs> and, and I think it, it fits to what we think about Snyder overall is, he treats our team like a fantasy football team. Yeah. And, and he's just, no, like he, he's, he's like a big entitled brat, you know? And, and um, I'm glad that we're no longer called that, um, that nothing about all the, you know, I have a, a Super Bowl like kind of flag up in my house that has our three Super Bowl championships on it. And it has the name of the team. Um, I'm not buying no, nothing new. Um, you know, that, that has that on there, the name on there. Um, and, and I think when I look at it, uh, I look at the fact that we were on the wrong side of history with the name change, but it doesn't stop me from loving the history of the team. I mean, we could have been called anything, and I think we still got those three Super Bowls. We still got this culture. So I think that anybody that's upset about that, you can get over it. I mean, there have been so many mascot changes across the country in college sports. Um, in high school sports, you know, like I still love my hometown football team. You know, I mean, when, when I watch the NFL, as I'm still grasping or had boycotted for so long, whether I've been returned back with some of this stuff. But I just want to say that the, the the biggest thing too about the skins, and and I want to put it this this on my podcast because I said it before. Um, so the Geico commercials about the cavemen. You remember the commercials? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why 
so two things. The, the company that created that is also the company that created uh, Virginia is for Lovers as a marketing campaign. Um, so they're like really good at marketing because I mean, <laughs> yeah. forever. Um, but they specifically picked cavemen because they couldn't offend cavemen because they are extinct. Right. And so that's what made it brilliant. That's why when you see, oh, cavemen, you know, like the concept of cavemen existing, like being, you know, all sensitive about the name. I feel like that's how, better. <laughs> I feel like that's how many people have viewed Native Americans in this fight. Like they don't exist. Like, oh no, we're talking about you're not talking about like like the Vikings. This is about the same example I gave. The Vikings are native to Scandinavia, but that that type of person, like the Vikings, are no longer around. Right. Can't offend them by have naming a team after them, but the term Redskins is going to f- f- impact and affect Native Americans that are living. They're living in this country. Literally living in this country. <laughs> you know, and this is this is their country. You know, so it's like... Literally. <laughs> literally. So, so it was just kind of like like weird to me that, that we even that we did that or, or that people were against the name change. It's like these are people that are actively living and breathing. <clears throat> this isn't a name that affected people back in the day, but not anymore. Like it's, 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 you know, it's still, still alive and kicking. So I just, um, at the end of the day, I'm glad we're changing the name. Um, I just want to put context to my thoughts about this because this has been going on for some years and uh, some, some skins fans have been, you know, taking some heat for stuff that I think is, is some aspects been warranted. Some of it's been unwarranted. Um, and, you know, I just, I'm, I'm just glad we're moving forward. Just want to figure out what our new mascot is going to be. And there's, there's been two things that we've been trying to keep. Why the, why the, why the red tails and red hawks keep showing up, is because we've, uh, people want us to keep the R. It's our logo. It's our hashtag ACTR. A lot of fans want to keep the R. So that's why red tails and red hawks keep showing up. Yeah. And they both are two syllables. And our song, which is Hail to the Redskins, obviously we're going to change the name, but the syllable name makes it easier for us to sing our song. I've had arguments with some of my friends about whether we should do away with the song because the song itself sounds like a, a, a Western Native American type of lingo. Not lingo, but tempo. And um, I'm... I'm I'm more so want to keep the, I, I want to keep the song. I want to keep the hashtag, um, repurpose it, you know, and just change the, change the words that fit our new team, new franchise. Well, not new franchise, but new team and new, new mascot. Um, but that's the reason why the names have been a certain way. The Warriors even is from the mindset of like keeping it thematic. I, I think we should do away with that mainly because of Golden State. I don't want us to have the same mascot as another professional team in the United States. So we got to come up with something. Um, but that's the, the impetus for why Red Hawks and Red Tails are showing up very high is the R, the color, and the two-syllable name. So that's just insight for uh, for all you people that may not necessarily know that. Um, what, are your th- what are your thoughts? You think, uh, what do you think about the, the name change? Um, I think it was a long time coming. I think Daniel Snyder really put his foot in his mouth when he said the whole I'm never changing it deal. 
I think uh, w- one of the things about just how the culture is now in society, <clears throat> forgetting times to change, is uh, the amount of money that was backing the Reds. I'm uh, sorry, the Washington football team. Uh, the amount of money that was backing them that said, told Daniel Snyder, hey, you got to change this. Um, normally, these things take, you know, at least a year or two to go into process of figuring out what they want to change it to, how to change the coloring scheme, maybe change the jerseys. Um, but because the money was going to back out, uh, Daniel Snyder's hand was forced. Like, the team's hand was forced, and they had to make a change, which I appreciate because, you know, look, they were it was gonna they were gonna slow foot this if they had to, but it, it was changed, it, it made it and I and I also appreciate the the Red Tails Red Hawks deal. I think that's that's insightful actually. I think uh that would help out in the transition. But like you said, these things take time because they need to figure out the domain name. They need to figure out the whole positioning of it. Um and it's just easy right now to call it the Washington football team, but that's the position they put themselves in. They weren't going to change the name until somebody forced their hand to do it, and they forced their hand to do it right before the season. So now they have to look like idiots for longer than they would have because they didn't want to. But, you know, you you make a bed, you lie in it. That's what it is. An interesting point you brought up, though, um, is the whole fact about people not feeling like it was a bad name anyway because how many – not many people know Native Americans, and I think – one of the things in this country's history of the myriad things that have happened, um, eradicating Native American culture from public uh, pop culture and just in general of knowing people is one of the, is one of the um, dark spots of this country's history that needs to be shed a light on more often because that's how this name was able to become so prevalent and not cared about as being an issue because nobody knew them. I mean, imagine if someone had a, a black epitaph on a team that it wouldn't, it wouldn't have flown in the sixties. You know what I'm saying? But because, <laughs> but because this lasted so long was because people just didn't know native Americans in general, because they were just cordoned off into their own area and eradicated to a point where there wasn't that many people <laughs> So it, 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 it turned into this fact of like this one whisper basically in the sea of millions and millions of people trying to say, hey, 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 let's stop this, let's stop this, that eventually other people caught on, became a wave of support. So, I, you know, it's I'm glad it happened. But like you said, it was a long time coming. Yeah, I definitely agree. Now, I mean, I transition thinking about names. Now, you are a diehard Florida State fan. I am. What's the relationship between – FSU and the Seminole Nation for people that, you know, to talk about that being a name that some people are not familiar or, or like, oh, maybe they should change that too. And the, and the Tomahawk Chop. Yeah. I know that there's a different relationship. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say, yeah. So a few years back, there was a whole thing with college teams. Um, the St. John's used to be the Red Men. They changed to the Red Storm. Arkansas State used to be the Indians. They changed to the Red Wolves. Like, uh, Eastern Michigan used to be the Fighting Sioux. They changed it to the Eagles. Like, there was a whole deal of uh, college teams changing. Florida State worked with the Seminole Tribe Nation. And is actually, through years of this, is actually what their new uniforms are actually part of that, too, and the new logo. But they worked with the Seminole Tribe Nation and said, hey, look, if you don't want us to use the Seminole name, we'll go with that. But we want to work with you to make this more of a pride thing, more of a heritage thing for you guys, not necessarily – 
us just saying Seminoles and going with it. So worked with them hand in hand. Um, they worked with them about the song, the, the Tomahawk Chop. Everything was cool then. Chief Osceola got an upgrade. Uh, <laughs> Appaloosa or and Renegade the horse, the Appaloosa horse. Um, they also with the new jersey setups and the new um, logo. Uh, they're more they're more uh, structured towards actual Seminole heritage. So on the jersey, the football jerseys, you'll notice. There's what they call, uh, I guess they call them their S's or whatever, but those are actual seminal symbols on the jerseys. Um, so uh, they're they're hand in hand with the Seminole tribe. Uh, I know that Kansas City Chiefs and the Atlanta Braves are talking about taking away that tomahawk chop, um, which is interesting, like I said, because the Seminole tribe was cool with Florida State, but they actually got, and I'm, and, and, Atlanta to an exact extent. They actually got those tomahawk chops from Florida State. Like Deion Sanders brought the the marching band, the Seminoles marching band CD. That's what they play at the Braves game. They actually play the Seminoles marching band CD for their tomahawk chop, which is hard for me as a Marlins fan when I go to Braves games. Like, oh, yeah, what am I doing? Um, but uh, yeah, so I don't know where they, those two teams will stand. Uh, those two teams will stand on that, and I don't know what Atlanta is going to do in general about their logo in general and what their team name is going to be. I know Cleveland has to change their logo. They've been talking about Chief Wahoo for a long, 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 long time. Um, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, as far as Florida State goes, that's what was going on. And and look, I'm with you. If the Seminole Tribe was turn around and say, "Hey, don't do the tomahawk chop," I'd be like, "All right, I'm not doing the tomahawk chop. They don't want me to do the tomahawk chop. That's fine. It's not going to take away the memories of the national championships or the memories of Charlie Ward and Warwick Dunn. You know, it just is what it is. I'm not a Native American. I'm not going to tell them what they need to be offended and what can't be offended about. As a minority, I understand that. I don't want people telling me what I can and cannot be offended about when it comes to my heritage. So if they say that, then I'm like, "All right, cool." Like, what, work with me. What can I do to help you out? I want to be a fan of your heritage. I am a fan of that. You know what I'm saying? That That's part of who I am. So I want to make sure that that's, you know, kept intact. So I think as fans, we need to remember that. I'm with you. Speaking of staying on, on topic for college football, about to do a deep dive, um, doing our all-conference teams. going to going to kind of breeze through a little bit and get to the crux of it, our, our preseason first and second team All-Americans. Uh, speaking of your beloved Florida State, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or alphabetical order, and just give you my, I'm gonna give you my, um, you know, my starters or who I have on first team on offense. Um, get your opinion on that, then go to defense, and then we'll move on. Um, so for so for the ACC, I got quarterback Trevor Lawrence at Clem from Clemson. Uh, my running backs are Travis Etienne from Clemson. And Javian Hawkins from Louisville. Wide receivers to Mary and Terry, Florida State. Mm-hmm. Uh, Atwell from Louisville. Uh, first team all ACC tight end, Brevin Jordan. Uh, at yeah, Then you have on offensive line, Jackson Carmen from Clemson. Christian Darasaw from Virginia Tech. Jimmy Morrissey, Pittsburgh. Uh, Joshua Fed Jackson from NC State. And Tyler Rabel from Boston College. Who you have different on your first team? Uh, offense for the ACC. Um, so I did an all-purpose player. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, was it? I was inspired by Rondell Moore of Purdue. Um, Tutu Atwell was my all-purpose player. So my extra wide receivers actually Sage Surratt from Wake Forest. Um, what about that? Uh-huh. 
Uh, I was going to say, and everybody else is the same as far as uh, the skill positions. At offensive line, I have Alec Lindstrom from Boston College. That's right. different. And Ekam Ekwonu from NC State. And uh, Jordan McFadden from Clemson were my two differences. But Jackson Carmen and Jimmy Morrissey were the two same ones. And I agree, Jackson Carmen has the potential to be a second first-round pick if he, uh, if he keeps bumping up the way he is. I have a long story about Jackson Carmen as an Ohio native. Uh, yeah, I heard about. I remember that. I remember the recruiting on that. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm, I'm gonna leave that that part alone. But I, but I think he definitely uh, he's definitely nice. Um, oh, two, so two things I just realized. What's interesting about my all conference teams? Every tight end is back. Yeah. Every, every tight end on last year's first team mm-hmm. all conference. It has returned. Well, that you know, the tight end class was terrible this year going to the draft outside of FAU's Harrison uh, Harrison Bryant. So, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, every single person is back. So I looked at that and I was like, oh, wow, that's 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 interesting uh, trend. And then secondly, we get into the deepest position group. My God. <laughs> um, the ACC's D-line, the deepest position group in the country for that position. Uh, the ACC is unbelievable with D-line um, and this is like one of the hardest ones to pick. Um, and I'm actually going to go through because I've noticed that there's different groups that have like a dope position group um, oh. for conference. But starting with the ACC on defense, I got Carlos Basham from Wake Forest, Jalen Twyman uh, from Pittsburgh, also AC Woodson graduate from Washington, D.C., uh, <laughs> Marvin Wilson from Florida State, and Gregory Rousseau from Miami on my DNs. My D, my D lineman, uh, my linebackers are Max Richardson from Boston College, Chad Surratt from North Carolina, Rayshard Ashby, Virginia Tech. Uh, my DBs are Darian Kendrick from Clemson, Asante Samuel, Florida State, Andre Cisco, Syracuse, and Paris Ford from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, defensive line, basically the same thing, but I have Xavier Thomas. I have mm-hmm. Wilson, Basham, and Rousseau. I, I mean, look, I, Xavier Thomas, real quick on him. He since Clemson lost all their defensive linemen to the NFL the year prior, uh, they put they did like this three one seven and had Isaiah Simmons play everywhere because they also had Tanner Muse and the and AJ Terrell. They just had guys who could play in the back end. So Xavier Thomas kind of lined up in a bad situation for him. I think if they go back to their four lot down lineman scheme and have him just rush off the edge, I think you'll you'll see a better situation for him. But he's a five star athlete with all the tools. I think he has the ability to be that. That's kind of why I put him there as a maybe. Uh, I have Chad Surratt. I have uh, Rayshard Ashby. A guy that I really like from UVA is Charles Snowden. He's a six foot seven guy who does great work off the field. His volunteerism is amazing, and the things he wants to do post football are great. He also happens to be really good on the football. Uh, Nick Roche, uh, I'm sorry, Quincy Roche from uh, Miami, who I wanted to put at D-line, but I couldn't figure out where to put him at D-line because there were so many guys on the D-line in the ACC, so I just put him at linebacker since he is 235 pounds. Uh, That's just the thing for me. I have Andre Sisco and Caleb Farley and Paris Ford. I also put Hamza Nasruddin ahead of Asante Samuel in my DBs for FSU. Yeah, yeah, DBs are tough too, uh, especially at safety. Yeah, the ACC's got some DBs. (laughs) Some DBs, okay. Um, Big Ten, uh, quarterback Justin Fields from Ohio State, running backs Trey Sermon, Ohio State, and Stevie Scott, <laughs> third from Indiana. How nice um, of you, Ohio State. 
Yeah, wide receivers, uh, Chris Olave, Ohio State, and Rondell Um, This is this is we'll get to this, but uh, it's because Rashard Bateman has opted out. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> so, so that's why um, I got Chris Olave, um, and I will also say Dave, David Bell is really good too. Um, but I can't see Purdue getting two wide receivers in the first team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, a tight end. And the offensive line is uh, Alaric Jackson, Iowa, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan, Josh Myers from Ohio State, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, and Rayshon Slater from Northwestern. Cool, cool. So for quarterbacks, I have Justin Fields, same thing, Trey Sermon and Journey Brown. I have Chris Olave from Ohio State. So, again, with my all-purpose players, Rondell Moore. Uh, my other wide receiver, I did have Rashad Bateman from Minnesota. I didn't even think about him opting out. I just put his name there anyway. Um, tight end, I have Pat Fryermuth, like you did. Wyatt Davis, who I just found out is the great-grandson of Willie Davis, all-famer all from uh, the Green Bay Packers. So good for him. He's also probably the best guard in this class in general. Uh, I have Tyler Linderbaum for my one instead of Alaric Jackson. Um, he's 270 pounds, but he's unbelievably athletic and is, has power. He's from Iowa. He's, good. he's the next in line. He's going to be great. Um, he's just really young. Uh, Rayshon Slater, like you have. I have Thayer, Thayer Mumford, Munford sorry, from Ohio State and uh, Jalen Mayfield from Michigan. Okay. Uh, on defense – uh, defensive line is George Kerlaftis from Purdue, Shaka Tony from Penn State, Quiddy Paye from Michigan, Zach Harrison from Ohio State. My linebackers are Jack Sanborn from Wisconsin, Patty Fisher from Northwestern, and Antoine Simmons from Michigan State because, once again, Michael Parsons is also opted out. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah, Parsons is also opted out. Changed a lot of things. Um, we'll talk about later on. But, yeah, so – um, my DBs are Sean Wade from Ohio State, Ambry Thomas and Daxton Hill from Michigan, and Eric Burrell from Wisconsin. On uh, defense, I have Mike, Mike Panasuic from Michigan State. Probably won't get drafted high, but he's a real productive, highly productive guy. Um, Shaka Tony I have from Penn State. I have boy Tyreek Smith from Ohio State. I think he's the next great defensive end from Ohio State. He's got all the tools, just didn't, you know, didn't have a lot of time to play. Um, but he can, he's going to be playing now. And I have Aiden Hutchinson instead of Quiddy Pie. I like Quiddy Pie. I, I do a lot. I think Aiden Hutchinson is just there right now, and Quiddy will probably be has higher ceiling and eventually be better. I do have Micah Parsons, a linebacker. Patty Fisher. I have Cam Brown. Uh, Patty Fisher from Northwestern. Cam Brown from Penn State. I have Baron Browning from Ohio State. I feel like I'm the only Baron Browning, like, fan. But I, I, I just want him to be good. <laughs> I feel like he is good, but he's just like, Baron is a is a, I think that um, he's a hot button topic for a lot of Ohio State fans. Uh, <laughs> that 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 have listened to podcasts before, I'm a diehard Buckeye fan. So, um, Baron Browning, the issue is is that they had him out of position at middle linebacker. Yeah, and being that middle linebacker, um, he has to read things that he's not naturally as good at. They have him out of he's always out of position because he's he's better suited to rush the passer. Yeah, or guard a tight end kind of a little bit, but not so much being the center of things and guarding crossing routes. And um, I think that they will move Tough Borland back to middle linebacker and let Baron Brown and be on the edge. Um, when he does that, he he, I'm with you 100. percent I think he will be um, first team All Big Ten if and only if they allow him to just 
go ham from the edge. I agree. Yeah, he has the tools there that are like I salivate and I'm like, oh man, come on. Like six four, two fifty-five, uh runs like a four five, four six forty. I mean he's a he plays safety in high school. Yeah. As linebacker. I mean he's a freak of nature and this is his last time he's a true senior. Um our whole linebacking core is coming back and two years ago they were porous. And last year they were much better, but Barron was still kind of out of position and mm-hmm. and change things up. And if he does, like you said, I think he's going to be in there. So, so um, who are your DBs? For DBs, Sean Wade from Ohio State. I have Ambry Thomas from Michigan, like you, but I now I have a uh, Brad Hawkins from Michigan, and then Nick Cross from Maryland. Uh, God, could have been in the Florida State back. Then. Yeah, Nick Cross. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, Eric Burrell is actually from Maryland too. Uh, the state of Maryland. So uh, <laughs> it was. I think. I think. I think the cross is going to be nice. Yeah. Uh, I think he's going to be nice, especially seeing what they do. I'm. I'm really excited to see what Maryland does. Um, now that Loxley has one year under his belt, um, and and hopefully, like you said, I'm, I'm a high on Nick Cross also. Um, in the Big Twelve, uh, the toughest quarterback battle for first team. Yeah, uh, I got this one. Up. Iowa State over Sam Ellinger from Texas. Um, my running backs are, are, are Chuba Hubbard from Oklahoma State, uh, Puka Williams from Kansas, the best uh, – talking about uh, <laughs> uh, best names of any position group is, 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 is Chuba, Chuba Hubbard and Puka Williams. Uh, <laughs> my receivers are Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State and Charleston Rambo from Oklahoma. Tight end Charlie, uh, Charlie Kolar from Iowa State. Um, and my offensive line are Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, Samuel Cosme from Texas, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, Josh Rivers, Rivas, I'm sorry, from Kansas State, and Adrian Ely from Oklahoma. Yeah, quarterback, I was having the same fight, but I went with you. I went with Brock Purdy, Iowa State. Uh, running back, I actually have Kennedy Brooks and Chuba Hubbard with a special mention for Puka Williams. He's hashtag fun to watch. Uh, wide receiver, I have Tylen Wallace and TJ Vasher actually from Texas Tech. He's a six foot six monster. Um, all purpose, I have Dylan Stoner for Oklahoma State, really good receiver and great returner. Um, tight end is Charlie Kohler, Charlie Kohler, sorry, from uh, Iowa State. Like we have Sam Cosme from Texas, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, Adrian Ely from Oklahoma. I have James Gimter from West Virginia and Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State as far as the offensive line. Okay, so we only went on one off. Yeah. On the for defensive defensive side of the ball, I got the Stills brothers. Yeah. Um, I have Ronnie Perkins from Oklahoma, Wyatt uh, Hubert from Kansas State. My linebackers are Terrell Bernard from Baylor, Garrett Wallow from TCU, Joseph Osai from Texas. And my DBs, um, I would argue Big 12 when it comes to position. They're really high. Yeah, they're uh, deep. Obi Harvell Peel from Oklahoma State. Caden Stearns from Texas, and um, Ardarius Washington and Trayvon Morig from TCU. Wow, this is funny. <laughs> so we have the exact same defensive line, exact same DBs. Linebacker, uh, the only difference in linebacker is Nick Benito from Oklahoma and Amen Agbong Bamiga from uh, Oklahoma State. He's actually Chuba Hubbard's roommate. They both, they're both from Canada, so apparently Oklahoma State's got a Canadian pipeline. So. Hmm. But yeah, yeah. And Bernard are really good at linebacker. Yeah, and I, I think um, TCU safeties 
Yeah, that's the that's they're insane. <laughs> yeah, they might be the best safety group in the country. Um, so the Pac-12, we got um, uh, I never pronounced his name right. Keenan Slovis from uh, that's right. From, um, running backs, I got C.J. Verdell from Oregon, Max Borgie from Washington State. Wide receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughns from USC. Mm-hmm. Tight end, Brant Queef from Utah. And my offensive line, I have uh, Walker Little and Foster Serrell from Stanford. Drew Dahlman from Stanford. Um, Elijah Vera Tucker from USC. And Panay Sewell from Oregon. The most... Uh, ah man, <laughs> we I mean we can talk about like I, there's not enough praise and there's not enough words in the English language for praise for how good he is. Yeah, yeah, that's the most. Yeah, who you got in your um? Who you have in your so, back to life? Uh, same thing, really. Uh, Keenan Slovis, C.J. Verdell, same with me. I have Max Borgi as a all-purpose, so the other running back spot. I have Demetric Felton from UCLA. Uh, the wide receivers are the same. Amon Ross, St. Brown, and Tyler Vaughn's USC. Like the passing offense at USC should be insane. This year, right. it should be insane, um, even with the loss of Michael Pittman. Um, offensive line, I have Elijah Vera Tucker. I have Abraham Lucas from Washington State, Jackson Kirkland from Washington, but I do have Walker Little from Stanford, and of course, the venerable Panay Sewell. And a tight end, I have Brant Queef as well from uh, Utah. Okay, um, my my defensive side, um, I have Levi on Wuzuriki from Washington, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Drake Jackson and Jay Tufele from USC. My linebackers, uh, another deep uh, position group in uh, Pac-10, Pac-12 uh, linebackers. Nate Landman from Colorado, Jihad Woods from Washington State, Hamilcar Rashid from Oregon State. Um, defensive backfield, I have Paulson Debo from Stanford, Thomas Graham and Javon Ho- uh, Holland from Oregon, and Elijah Molden from Washington. That's not bad. Defensive line, same exact defensive line. Um, uh, linebacker, I have Rashid, I have Landman. I, I also put Joe Tryon and Ryan Bowman. They're both from Washington. They're listed as outside linebackers because the defensive line kind of can get deep for the Pac-12. But uh, they're basically defensive linemen, actually. But they're listed as linebackers, so I put them as linebacker. Uh, DBs, Paulson Adebo, Elijah Molden, I like. Um, I have Javon Holland, like you said. and But I have the De- 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 Lenoir. From uh, Oregon, I love his bump and run ability. His uh, Twitter handle is bump and run, so he's really yeah. physical, and I love him. Yeah, he's good. One thing about Thomas Grant that put me over the edge was um, currently in the country, he has the most career pass passes defended and pass breakups of any DB in the United States. So oh yeah, like, that that brings up a good point though. Oregon's defensive backfield this year is is. Quite literally, could be a no fly zone. I'm if they play, I want to see USC versus Oregon so bad. <laughs> like yeah, it's gonna yeah. be strength on strength, like NFL strength on NFL strength in the college game. Like that's a that's a prime time matchup right there. Uh, and then, and speaking of Sewell, you know they got his little brother Noah. Yeah, is, is and his roommate is uh, Justin Flo. So <laughs> oh man, um, they I'm pretty certain they're both going to start. That's going to be a, a, a solid defense. Again, I'm mad that because of COVID, they canceled the Ohio State-Oregon game. Man, that would have been fun. Uh, in that also. So, I'm with you 100%. Um, on the SEC side, we got uh, quarterback Jamie Newman from UGA. Ooh, interesting. Colin Hill uh, from Mississippi State, Najee Harris from Alabama. 
wide receivers, um, no-brainer, Jamar Chase from LSU and Devontae Smith from Alabama. Uh, tight end Kyle Pitts from Florida. And offensive line, I have uh, Darren Kennard from Kentucky, Alex Leatherwood and Landon Dickerson from Alabama, and the two trades, Trey Hill from Georgia and Trey Smith from Tennessee. <laughs> Cool, cool. Out offensive line, I have – oh, well, I guess start quarterback. Quarterback, I have uh, the most boring quarterback who will probably be drafted in the NFL is Kyle Trask. <laughs> I like Jamie Newman a lot. I think Kyle Trask just to end up first team just because he's Kyle Trask. I hate the Gators. Uh, running back, <laughs> Kylan Hill and Najee Harris. Kylan Hill almost single-handedly got the Confederate flag taken off of Mississippi. Congratulations. That, yep. <laughs> I was about that, and I wanted to rush through, but – Colin Hill is a is a a, a national treasure. Also <laughs> needs to a Hubbard. Yep, 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 um, yep. Oklahoma State, what he did with his coach, and uh, yeah. So I needed special consideration for those guys, recognition for those guys. Uh, wide receiver, like you said, easy to, like easy. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, uh, all purpose. I have Jalen Waddle, give him his credit. Um, tight end Kyle Pitts, like you said. Offensive line Alex Leatherwood. Trey Smith and Landon Dickerson are uh, similarities. I have Cade Myers from Tennessee and Royce Newman from Ole Miss. Mm, okay. So for, de- for defensive side of the ball, I have uh, Tyler Shelvin from LSU, Malik Herring from UGA, Bobby Brown uh, from New Edition. No, Bobby Brown <laughs> from Texas <laughs> A&M and um, um, – Mark, 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 I can't pronounce his name. Just call him Big Cat Bryant from Auburn. Uh, <laughs> Markavius Bryant uh, from Auburn. Uh, my linebackers are Dylan Moses from Alabama, Nick Bolton from Missouri, KJ Britt from Auburn. Um, and my DBs are hands down Derek Stingley Jr. from LSU. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, and Jacoby Stevens from LSU. And then I have Patrick Sertan um, from Alabama and Richard LeCount from UGA. Not bad, not bad. Defensive line, I have Christian Barmore from Alabama, Tyler Shelvin from LSU, Jordan Davis from UGA, who I think is a little bit better than Malik Herring. Well, he he has a higher upside than Malik Herring. Malik Herring is actually like a con- very consistent guy. I do like him. Uh, Dare Odeyingbo. Odeyingbo. Dare Odeyingbo from Vanderbilt. Huge guy, real athletic. I love his tool set. Uh, for linebacker, uh, Nick Bolton from Missouri, great linebacker. Dylan Moses from Alabama, a guy from LSU just transferred in, Jabril Cox. He transferred in from North Dakota State, was an All-American there. I love his ability and his talent. I think he'll have a bigger stage to do it on. Uh, Shane Lee from Alabama I also put in there because he's the next big thing at Alabama. At DB, Derek Stingley, yeah, that's, that's a no-brainer. He's a top-five pick. Richard LeCount. Um, from UGA, who was basically in the same class as Dylan Moses as two freshmen to watch as, as high schoolers. Um, Patrick Sertain, the second. And I have Kair Elam, Elam from the Elam family that is amazing. And they all go to UF, so they're jackals. I need to add that Shane Lee went to St. John's College High School. He, he did. Yeah, Shane is huge. Um, also want to add um, K.J. Britt, Dylan Moses, and Garrett Wallow. All members of Omega Sapphire have turn the court. Oh, well, KJ uh, Britt makes sense. Oh, I, 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 real quick on KJ Britt. I like him a lot. I think he's really, 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 really good. I just think he's a really, 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 really good college player. I don't know if he'll translate in the NFL. He's the slow in that classic thumper from the 80s that they used to love in the NFL that they don't use anymore. Mm. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think based on what KJ did last year, it makes sense for him to be preseason. Um, 
you know, uh, but, but yeah, that exactly what you mean, looking at him projection-wise. Um, okay, so the big ones. Okay, so we named everybody who we think of first team all-conference. Um, I say we should start with the second team. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, so my second team was tough. Uh, I'm going to admit, okay, I got Justin Fields, the second team. Um, preseason. <laughs> And I, it's, let me tell you something about this. This, this when it comes to preseason, um, preseason similar to what we talked about the NFL top top one hundred is based on where I think they should be when you begin the season. It's hard for me to project past that, right? Like I'm thinking to myself, these are the guys that deserve to be honored. Like going to start off, right? Because I, I. I and I think it's also a possible, right? Like, it's like a spades game. Justin Fields is um, is a queen of spades. Yeah. You can't necessarily say you're going to get that book, but it can win. <laughs> In the sense, I think that Ohio State, I think with the team that they have, un- unapologetic, I'm obviously I'm being objective because I don't have him over Trevor Lawrence. But I, it, it, there's some factors um, – I think Justin Fields, if he has anywhere near the season he had last year, I think he deserves to be first-team All-American. Um, it all depends, I guess, with, with how people judge what he does. So I have him, my second team. My running backs, I have uh, Javion Hawkins from Louisville and Kylan Hill from Mississippi State. Um, my wide receivers, second team, are Tylen Wallace from Oklahoma State, Devontae Smith from Alabama. Uh Tight end, Brevin Jordan from Miami. And my offensive line for second team are um, Liam Eichenberg from Notre Dame, mm-hmm. Josh from Kansas State, Josh Myers from Ohio State, who I think is arguably the best center in the country. Um, once again, being unapologetic um, <laughs> uh, or, or being objective, I mean to say. Uh, Walker Little from Stanford, Samuel Cosme from Texas. Who do you have in your second team? Uh, uh, second team, I have Justin Fields the same. Um, I actually have Kenneth Gainwell from Memphis uh, at running back, and then Kylan Hill. Kenneth Gainwell is it's another hashtag fun to watch guy, even more so than Puka Williams if you get the chance. Um, I have wide receiver, same guys, Tylen Wallace, Plum State, Devontae Smith, Alabama, all-purpose guys, Jalen Waddle from Alabama. Tight end, I actually have Kyle Pitts. Uh, second team, uh, Josh Myers is my center. You convinced me about it after we had our talk. Um, Walker Little from Stanford at Cade Mays, and then Sam Cosby and Liam Eichenberg from uh, Notre Dame round out the uh, offensive line. Pretty, pretty, pretty close on that one. Okay, and this is uh, this is when we talk about the uh, the depth of the ACC in the defensive linemen. I have Jalen Twyman from Pittsburgh, Jay Tufele from USC, Quincy Roche from Miami, and Darius Stills from West Virginia. Um, as my DNs, or my D linemen, I'm going to say. My linebackers are Nick Bolton from Missouri, Chad Surratt from North Carolina, and uh, Patty Fisher from Northwestern. Not bad, not bad. Uh, my DBs are Patrick Sertan from Alabama, Elijah Molden from Washington, Andre Sisco from Syracuse, and Richard LeCount from UGA. So, who you got on the defensive side? On the defensive side, I have, uh, like you said, it's it's deep. I, I don't even have Jalen Twyman on my first team All ACC, but he's on my second team All American team. 
Right. Jalen, so I have Jalen Twyman and Xavier Thomas from Clemson. Then I have Christian Barmore from Alabama. And then Levi Onuzarike from uh, Washington. I have Nate Landman from uh, Colorado. Chad Surratt from North Carolina. Dylan Moses from Alabama. Jabril Cox from LSU. And after thinking about this, I don't know why I put Trevon Morig. I'm probably going to move Trevon Morig and switch him with, uh, I think it's Paris Ford. No, it's uh, Luke Barku. I'm going to switch him with Luke Barku from San Diego State. So I'm going to say Luke Barku from San Diego State, Paris Ford, Javon Holland from Oregon, and Sean Way from Ohio State is my DBs. Uh, okay. I got um, – so I just realized something, and I'll, and I'll, I'll say this. But I'm going to have – I just realized because I'm Michael Parsons, um, I'm going to switch out. I'm going to have Nate Lamon from Colorado as second team. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you who I have, who I took out. I'm mean, going to move to the first team. Okay. At that point, but just uh, that's the yeah. I just realized that change. Okay, so on the first team, dun 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 dun. First team, last school podcast, preseason All American team, quarterback Trevor Lawrence from Clemson, also known as Sunshine. Sunshine. <laughs> Uh, for people that don't get the reference, he looks exactly like the quarterback from Remember the Titans. I mean, uh, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, absolutely insane. It almost uh, makes you want to find a weapon for his dream. <laughs> right, right. Uh, <laughs> running backs, Travis Etienne from Clemson, Chubber Hubbard from Oklahoma State. Uh, wide receivers, Jamar Chase from LSU, Rondell Moore from Purdue. Tight ends, Kyle Pitts from Florida. Um, offensive linemen. Panay Sewell from Oregon, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama, Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State, Trey Smith from Tennessee. Who you got on your first team? First team, I have Sunshine himself, Trevor Lawrence, the all-everything quarterback. Uh, running backs, Chubba Hubbard and Travis Etienne, same. Wide receivers, <laughs> Ad Rashad Bateman. Uh, uh, we'll figure that out at some point. Yeah, you can move uh, Jalen Wild, Devontae Smith, whoever in the in that place. But Jamar Chase is there. All purpose is Rondell Moore, uh, tight end Pat, Pat Fryermuth, and offensive line. I'm pretty sure if I heard you right, exactly the same. Alex Leatherwood, Wyatt Davis, Panay Sewell, Creed Humphrey, and I have Trey Smith. Did you say Trey Smith from Tennessee? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Um. So for the defensive defensive side of the ball, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon, Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Marvin Wilson from Florida State, <laughs> Carlos Ashton from Wake Forest. Uh, my linebackers now that remove Michael Parsons, uh, Nick Bolton from Missouri. I have him now as first team. Um, Nate Lamon is, is replacing him on the second team. I have Dylan Moses from Alabama, Hamilcar Rashid from Oregon State. Um, my DBs are Derek Stingley from LSU, Sean Wade from Ohio State, Paris Ford from Pittsburgh, and Trayvon Morick from TCU. All right, and because Michael Parsons is out, I'll move Dylan Moses up there. And the other linebackers would be Quincy Roche, since, you know, there can only be so many defensive linemen from the ACC. I have Nick Bolton and Hamilcar Rashid. Rashid, Rashid. I think it's Rashid, right? I think it's Rashid. Rashid, Oregon State. <laughs> yeah. he his, his tape is kind of amazing, actually. He doesn't have any really power to his game, but he's able to, like, do real good speed inside, which is kind of insane. Um, anyway, for defensive linemen, I have uh, Carlos Basham, Gregory Russo, Marvin Wilson, 
And literally, just because I felt like this was too much of an ACC uh, homer fest, I put Kayvon Thibodeau, so we'll see how that works out. At DB, like I said, Trevon Mora got moved up to the first line. Derek Stingley, Caleb Farley, and Andre Sisco from Syracuse. Uh, you didn't mention Caleb Farley in your uh, ACC, I didn't, did you? Oh, Lord, I should have. He should be first team. <laughs> what happened there? No, no, Caleb Farley also opted out. Oh, he did? Oh, yep. dang it. <laughs> Yeah, Caleb Farley. Also well, guess, out. Uh, so who you got? Who you got? Your, your oh, corners Sante now. Samuel gets pumped up to the first team in uh, ACC, and then uh, here I bump a, uh, I bump a uh, shot. No, no. Uh, actually, I'll bump Luke Barku back up, and then at D, on the DB side, I bump a Sante Samuel, the second team All American. Luke Barku was definitely a great, great selection. Yeah, Luke I Barku mean, a lot. He's he's a, he's a dog. Yeah, and you try to – I try to – I'm glad you mentioned um, running back from Memphis. Um, you know, Notre Dame's Notre Dame, but they're not in the Power Five conference, mm-hmm. so sometimes they get lost. I think, I think Luke Barkley was definitely a really good selection, and, and um, I think he has a shot – a huge shot of being uh, first or second team uh, All-American. I mean, I think he is uh, – he led the country in interceptions last year. Past defense, one of the he was number one at, at one major position for defensive back. Yeah, uh, that's definitely a great a great selection. San Diego State, I man, think, it's like a yeah. hidden gem of DBU. I'm not saying it's Ohio State or Virginia Tech, but it's you know, it's surprising. You think, you think you 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 put Virginia Tech over LSU with DBU? I'm well, okay. I could have put LSU. In the, I'm just saying in the in the in the conversation over the course of time, not necessarily now. Right, even right, now, right, even right. now, I mean, you know, Virginia Tech still got the thing going on. <laughs> That's all right. I mean, I have to give LSU his credit. I mean, I think this year they had three of the four All Pro DBs were from LSU. Yeah, Tre'Davious White, Paul Adams, and Tyree Matthews. Yeah, it's like I can't, I can't say nothing about that. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's nothing you can really say. Uh, I'm still very upset that Grant Delpit won. The uh, Thorpe Award last year. Yeah, speaking of LSU. yeah, he shouldn't have won that. He shouldn't have won that. And matter of fact, um, he should have been a finalist the year before. Yes, <laughs> I feel like it was a makeup call. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the, two years in a row. LSU's second best, like LSU's best corner, was a Thorpe Award finalist, but wasn't the best on their team. Um, Greedy Williams was a finalist. It should have been Grant Delpit. Mm-hmm. Um, last year, Grant Delpit won it over Jeff Okuda. Makes no sense. None. And actually, Derek Stingley was the best. He was the better coin. He was the better DB. <laughs> so if Derek Stingley would have won it, I wouldn't have been upset because he deserved Like he's he's top two. Yeah. But Grant Delpit should not have won that over Okuda at all. LSU just, just took so much, so many awards last year. It's just like, oh, they play what? Waterboy? Waterboy award. Waterboy. Best waterboy going to Louisiana State University. Um, <laughs> yeah, Derek Stingley is uh, – Panay Sewell and Derek Stingley need to be taken out and discussed because they are phenomenal, phenomenal players. Like, they, they – <laughs> Panay Sewell, based on pro football focus – is the best offensive lineman to ever play college football, at least since they've covered it. Yeah, since they've been grading. Uh, they've covered it based on statistics and every aspect of grading. 
that goes on. I mean, he he had the best season of any offensive lineman in history, and he was a true sophomore. He's still nineteen. Uh, <laughs> he's still nineteen. Right, he's nineteen years old. Um, and Derek Stingley is, I mean, just a just phenomenal man. And, and you know, uh, initially he was supposed to play both ways. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, they wanted him, and they wanted him on both both sides. I mean, he's just a, he's just a freak, man. He. Uh, I mean, to step into you know, that level of competition, because it wasn't like he, in Louisiana, it wasn't like he was in 5A for Louisiana. He wasn't in the highest classification. He was in the lower right. classifications, and then steps right into the SEC and does that as a freshman, an 18-year-old? Yeah, I mean, he, he's, uh, he's the truth. He's the truth. I'm curious to see a couple things that I'm curious to see. Um, now that they're starting to change the schedule around, and I didn't think about that also, if you cha- if you just allow teams to play themselves, like play their conference, Justin Fields becomes a higher – I put him I, – I, he, he becomes uh, more of a favorite for, high, for the Heisman because the Big Ten is a better conference than the ACC. That's the- and, you know, um, they have decided, which even for you – well, dang, dang! I just realized that Florida State won't play Florida this year. Yeah, apparently traveling to Nashville is safer than traveling to Tallahassee for the Gators. It's you know what it is. It's not even that. It's the conference side of it. It's I mean, not even. Um, it's not even about. It's not even about the travel part. It's about now. It's just going to be conference on conference. And fortunately, uh, for you know myself as Ohio State fan or even Texas and Oklahoma, they're in the same conference, so they can still play, um, which I didn't even think about. But now Texas-Oklahoma game is not going to be at the Cotton Bowl. Nope. That's going to be home. When's the last time Texas-Oklahoma played against each other at home? Oh, man. Before my dad was born? (laughs) On the 50s? You know we're not playing. You know Ohio State's playing Michigan October 24th. That's the first time that's since weird. 1915, you know, 1933 that's that we had them the last game of the season. I I actually don't understand that because if it is conference only, then why can't we play the same time on that? Sure, play. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me at all. Um, and I know that they I know that they open up the Big Ten, so we're playing everybody but Minnesota. That's okay. So it's 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 like you're still playing what twelve games. No, we we don't normally we don't normally play a lot of people on um on the west. Right. Yeah. No. You do your you do your 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 own division and then what three from the other side? Yeah, I, I, I believe because you do eight, right? I know. I believe. I think Pac twelve. Pac twelve does nine. I think. So they do there, and then they do four from the other side. But I think you guys do three. E- even even then, you don't play the whole division, right? You don't play everybody. Right. Right. The only team, I mean, just just thinking about it, the fact we have to play the whole ACC. The whole, I'm sorry, the whole Big Ten this year. We got to play Iowa. We got to play Wisconsin. Those weren't on. Um, um, I'm trying to think which one of those teams was not on our schedule before. Uh, oh, oh, I'm sorry. We don't play Wisconsin. Oh, they let us slide with that one. We don't play Wisconsin. We don't play Minnesota. Okay. Yeah, that is a slide. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so the Big the Big Ten has 13 teams. 13? I thought they had 14. No, 14? 
14? Nebraska. Nebraska. Or I mean, 12. I guess it'd be 12. Nah, it's um, we don't play Minnesota. We don't play Wisconsin. And then uh, I'm trying to think what the other team is. But um, yeah, we play Iowa, play Penn State. We play Maryland, Michigan, Michigan State, Nebraska, Indiana, Purdue, Illinois, and Rutgers. Um, How many games is that? That's twelve. That's ten. Ten games. Okay. Yeah, we got ten games, and so uh, they haven't come out with it for everybody else. But that, but because of that that breakdown, that's a that's a more formidable schedule than Clemson. Uh, if Clemson yeah. has everybody. <laughs> I mean, it's not even close. I mean, the coastal uh, division isn't exactly a, a who's who of uh, big time players. Right, right, and I mean, if you think about ACC, um, there are some, there's some, there's some good teams. I mean, they're not, yeah, not they're, yeah, they're not terrible. It's not like you know the Sun Belt, but it, it's it's literally a cul-de-sac of uh, what I like to call mediocrity. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, Florida State got to turn the corner, Miami. And you have programs that are known. Yeah, you know, you have your Miamis, you have your, you have Florida State. Um, I want them to get back. You know, I love Jeff Jeff Halfley. So he's at Boston College. He was our coach um, last year. You know, I think he's going to do some good things at Boston College. Um, he actually got a kid from St. Francis in Baltimore who was committed to Florida. When I saw that, he flipped to BC. I was like, okay, he's coming out the coming out hard. Here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean Syracuse is is much better. People think. Um, Notre Dame, they've been saying, is that Notre Dame is going to be playing in ACC. Yeah, uh, yeah, that came out. They're actually doing the ACC schedule. I'm. I don't like the fact that Notre Dame. I don't like it either. I don't. I don't like. I don't like the fact that Notre Dame like treats the ACC like the side chick. That's how they treated the Big East. What they? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Because like, like everything else except football was in the Big East. Then they moved to ACC when the Big East folded. And ACC's like, yeah, sure, we'll take you. Uh. Meanwhile, the Big Ten's like, nah, we don't, we don't need to deal with that. Notre Dame, there's a couple things that have changed. Like when I look at certain teams, um, and I look at like their history, I remember watching a video of. Um, Ohio State's 2014 season when we won the, the the championship. And I forgot that that season Penn State had names on the back of their uniforms. And it was because of they were trying to change, change it around a little bit from, you know, Joe Paterno. And I think about that, like, oh, wow, Penn State had names on the back of their uniforms. They went back to not having it, but that was something Penn State was known for. In a world where everybody was putting names on the back of their uniforms, Penn State stayed true to that tradition. Notre Dame, I bring it up to say is that Notre Dame's tradition is being independent, and I think that needs to die. They are not Notre like Notre Dame. I don't like it. I don't like the fact that that they they have that not from a hating perspective, but from situations like this where you're using AC, the ACC in a time of crisis, but but then when the things go back to normal, y'all be y'all by yourself, but you're not. You don't have the cachet you have. I mean, it's not even about the cachet because NBC is still paying enough money to be able to do that. They are. Like, who's watching? In a world where I can watch Morehouse play Tuskegee, 
on ESPN be open. <laughs> Why in the world? Nobody's watching Notre Dame play anymore. On like, unless you live in Indiana or Chicago. I mean, who's doing that? Like, not back in the day, Notre Dame on Saturday mornings at noon was like, it was like NBA on NBC. I mean, there weren't that many games, as many games televised, especially on, on broadcast TV. So it made sense. But now, like, come on, Notre Dame, man, just go to the ACC and still schedule a way, figure out a way to play some of the same teams that you played before. Because they do that now. That's the thing that's so interesting. They do that now. But I guess maybe, maybe from a scheduling perspective, it doesn't benefit them to have eight ACC games because how they going to play Army. They play Army, Navy, and and, um, and obviously they play USC. They play Michigan. They'll play Michigan State. That's a lot of, that's a lot of games. Um, but at the same time, I just, I just don't like that. Like, oh, we're going to play all ACC schedule, but we're too good to join the full conference. What do you think about uh, Notre Dame versus – you know, with the ACC and how they treat the ACC overall and, and the concept of them having this NBC contract, um, which had a lot of cachet back in the day, but now you're watching games everywhere. Right. I, and I was saying NBC is the one shelling out the money to Notre Dame. So for some reason, they like if <laughs> I'm not mad at Notre Dame because NBC keeps paying the money. So if I was Notre Dame, I'd be like, well, yeah. I like this contract. NBC wants to keep paying me. Hey, ACC, are you cool with this? Now, what I would say the AC is like, are we going to get some of that money? Because right now you're getting some of our money because your teams are in our conference. So their basketball team gets that March Madness money from ACC. They get dipped out, you know, but the question would be is like when Notre Dame goes to a BCS bowl, do they divvy some of that money back to the ACC because the, because their connections to the other sports, I don't know. That's the that's that's a bigger question. Yeah, I just I just pulled up Notre Dame's schedule, um, and they play Western Michigan, which is interesting to me that they still are allowed to play a non-conference game. Yeah. So the and that, that is interesting considering the ACC saying no, but they're not in that technical ACC, so they're still playing Western Michigan because the the I know the MAC and the Sun Belt. They're just going along as is right now. Yeah, they um they just announced today what the the schedule like a couple hours ago Notre Dame schedule. Um, and last year, looking at their schedule, you know they play UGA, which was a big non conference game, but they played Louisville, they played UVA, Virginia, they played Virginia Tech, they played um, Duke. And Boston College, so that's five ACC teams. Um, then they historically play Stanford, Navy, uh, Michigan, USC, um, and so I think with those four games, it'd be tough to play. As I'm looking at their ACC schedule, don't know what division they'd be in necessarily. Yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, how is that even working? Are they going to be eligible for an ACC championship or something? Or they this, just you know what. I honestly, I think that this year they won't be. I think that they use, and I think the ACC knows that, because they cannot give them the benefit of qualifying for the ACC championship unless they are officially 
a member of the ACC in football. So I think that all these games that they play against other teams are going to be non-conference games for those teams. Okay. I mean, that, I, the, so the, net, the network, that, that's – Yeah, you can't give them the benefit of saying, oh, this season you qualify for the ACC. <laughs> right. That'd be messed up. That'd be like, okay, guys, you're doing too much. You're doing the most. You know, that that just – nah. You ain't going – you ain't going to – uh. Uh, why buy the cow when you can when you can have the milk for free? <laughs> exactly. Notre Dame treating the ACC like a side chick, man. You hate to see it. I know. That's what you hate to see it. You hate to see it. I hate to see it. Well, that's- oh wow, they're not even playing Navy anymore. Yeah, they're not playing Navy this season. Um, bunch of things are changing. I mean, I, I'm I'm curious to see what the SEC does. Uh, my first day. That's gonna be interesting, man. That might even change my whole perspective of Jamie Newman being first team all SEC because if they play all SEC teams and UGA kind of slides by, you know, the SC East is <laughs> I mean, but you add that you gotta play Auburn, um you gotta play Alabama. You you um uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, not so much, but um LSU yeah, no, I mean the West is a uh, the West is. You got to put those three teams this year, Jamie Newman. You ain't never seen those teams before. Kyle Trask has seen has played SEC, and I think UGA in normal schedule with how everything goes that works. But I think if you have an all SEC conference schedule, I, I might have to change that. Go to Kyle Trask uh, for my in thinking about the changes with COVID because um, you're going to be playing teams you weren't expecting to play. And and I will say that this is the thing. SEC is going to really show the world how deep their conference is. For all the people that think the SEC is all this and that, it's time to show and prove because y'all are going to be playing each other. Yeah. <laughs> for real, for real. You're not, not going to pull it out like Alabama playing uh, Louisiana Monroe. Kent State. Two weeks, you know, uh, with two weeks left in the season. Oh, yeah, the UT Martin, the old Southern Conference Saturday that they all yeah, have. Yeah, you can't do that this season. So, and I think the SEC is from top to bottom is the best conference in football. Uh, I think the Big Ten, I think the Big Ten East is the best division in football and number two conference overall. That's fair. You know, but at the same time, like when you're talking about, I mean, let's pray for Vanderbilt. Uh, oh man! Prayers of oh, Jesus. Ole Miss, Miss. Thoughts and prayers of Vanderbilt. <laughs> Colin Hill. Yeah, I'm thinking about it too, man. Colin Hill has to go through all of that. I mean, he gonna have to play a Florida, a Georgia, um, a Tennessee. Um, when you know they normally don't play those teams, like they'll play one, not you know all three. Man, the wear and tear, man. This is gonna be the the season. This is going to be a season to show approved for the SEC, to show, like, how deep they are. Um, you know, if, if there are going to be more injuries because you're playing – they think that they're playing better competition. Um, but, yeah, man, I mean, Georgia versus Alabama in the regular season. Has that, has that When's the last time that's happened? Oh, my God. I can't remember. <laughs> I, I, like, it used to be a staple <laughs> back in my childhood, but now, you know, it's a little harder with the more teams than the – What'd you call it? Yeah, it's uh, 
it's going to be interesting to say the least. It's definitely going to be interesting. I'm trying to pull up the SEC. If uh, the SEC hasn't made determination yet on their schedule. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah, the SEC hasn't made a determination. So I don't know what that's going to look like, but. How is Liberty playing Syracuse? Like, ACC is kind of lax. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's... So, Liberty's still playing Syracuse. Yep. Huh? And the Big Ten Championship game is the last game of the regular season for other teams. Like, lots of teams will be playing that same – they'll be playing regular season games that night. It's gonna be a weird. This yeah, this is gonna be a weird season. <laughs> yeah, the big the Big Ten championship game is December fifth. So while the Big Ten championship game is going on, um, Clemson will be playing Virginia Tech and USC will be playing Washington. Arizona will be playing Stanford. Like the big the Pac twelve and the ACC have regular season games on that date, and then the next week they have the ACC championship game, and then the week after that they have the Pac twelve championship game. Oh, okay. It's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. I'm my my biggest thing with this whole thing with uh with COVID, the people that I worried about the most, especially as uh, high schools have have canceled fall sports, um, is the high school recruits. Um, yep. You know, you know they need this time to go out and show and prove, um, and the coaches aren't able to see them. And so what I, what's going to be happening is you're going to see a lot more sleepers in the class of 2021 than ever. Before. I agree. Yeah, uh, I agree with that. You're going to see a lot I mean, Caleb players. Williams will be fine, but uh, yeah, everybody else. Yeah, Caleb Williams is going to be fine. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, uh, Corey Foreman, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be good. But at the same time, there are going to be guys that, you know, a number 700 in the country that should shoot up to 250. Yep, yep. This is where, and honestly, this is where teams like Boise State and Memphis and those schools can really snatch up some guys in the local areas that they go, the local haunting grounds that they go to with these guys that are like, oh, man, later on in the recruiting cycle, somebody would grab them because they'd be like, oh, yeah, we seen Stapy, he blew up yeah. in his senior year. but And then somebody tries to jump on him like Alabama or something, but nah, they'll keep him. And the next thing you know, so it'll be interesting. I, I agree with that. This will be funny. Think about this, though, too. You're going to have to adjust signing day, the final signing day. Not early, but the regular signing day because schools aren't even starting football until January. In a lot yeah. So you can't have a February signing day when they're in the middle of the season. It's not that doesn't That doesn't work. So you're going to have to have signing day in June. Because yeah, it's gonna be crazy. That, and this is this is. And I don't want to know if I want to get free game out on the podcast, but because <laughs> uh, I want to help create this. But what's going to end up happening, or what I think should happen, is that you you have the season end in late February, early March, and then you have your like the opening, like you you do you do your camps, like so. Bas- this is how it works in basketball. Kids that are underrated in basketball. They'll play AAU after they graduate high school or, or their senior year of high school, like April, May. They'll play in AAU tournaments before they graduate. 
right in the, during the open period so college coaches can see them and then they'll get an offer and then they'll leave they won't play AAU anymore so they use like the first two week weeks as technically like looking like fifth year seniors quote unquote but they actually haven't gone to a fifth year high school they're still technically seniors in high school but yeah that's what you're saying yeah yeah they're going to have to do that for football this year with camps and stuff seven on sevens with yeah. camps they're going to have to have camps for graduating seniors and then you and during and create an open period for this time period um the other thing that's interesting too is because high schools are not starting on time like most of their football if they allow visits this is probably the time when you've never had a time when colleges when high school kids can literally visit like like as long as they want pretty much because they don't have games. So you got kids that a kid from California who's interested in LSU can now spend a full weekend in Baton Rouge because they don't right. have any games. See, they have a game, yeah. <laughs> right? so all the issues with like, oh, we can't get a visit. The whole college football season, kids can actually visit schools and actually see the school from beginning to end. If you're doing distance learning, you might do a trip for five days during this during the like during your school year. Now, because what you gotta go home for? You're doing distance learning. <laughs> so kids that are in the top 100, 150, 200 in the country, those kids are gonna have more access to a college football program than ever before. Yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, ever before. Because you're going to be able to chill. And and let's talk about, like, like fall camps. You know, if they do stuff like that, you have fall workouts, and they might be fall camps. They also echo, like, the unsigned senior thing. You might have fall camps in October now. So the college coach is still going to be recruiting you. That's the way that they – instead of normally when a college coach is trying to play a game and then fly to go to see a player play, if you had these fall camps – Regional fall, regional camps they do in the summer, but through the fall, then the coaches mm-hmm. still go and travel and see these kids. They'll still be busy, but the players. Oh yeah, they'll still be busy. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, you need. They need to open up. They've had a dead period this whole COVID. Whole yeah, COVID they have dead period. You couldn't go on campus now in the fall. Change the game, man. You start having, like I said, it needs to be packed. With these workout drills, you know, these combines and things of that nature, all fall, they need to have these combines, and then kids can actually take unofficials. Kids can take officials. I mean, yeah, I take officials, yeah. But the officials now, I don't know the time period for an official visit. Is there a cap on how many days you can spend? Because if there's no cap, kids might be able to spend a week. And that would change the game forever if a kid could take a one-week official visit. One week official visit. I mean, what does that even look like? Because, like you said, it is distance learning. These kids are. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, man, it's like, all right, you're not done after. Like, I'd be, <laughs> I'm like, all right. Right. It's only so much, only so much Clemson, South Carolina has to offer after about four days. Like, all right. Exactly. And people remember it. And people won't even be in school. Right. Because <laughs> they're distance camp- learning, too. Campus is going to be mostly empty. But you get to go see football players. Like all you get to see. Yeah, you're basically hanging out for a week with the football team. Yeah. Like working out, 
seeing how practice rolls, right. seeing the every days, not just like the, oh, this is what we do on a weekend. Okay, this is cool. Like you get to get in there, get to, you know, get to see the real stuff. You're not gonna have the he got game type visits. <laughs> no, but, I'm not gonna have those. You're not gonna have those. Ain't nobody gonna be around. But you know, you are gonna be able to see the football team in a way that you've probably never seen it before. A lot, yeah, a lot of these kids who are, you know, and most of them are, but a lot of these kids who are like want to see what the football team is going to be like or understanding of their decision is to, you know, be comfortable with the team. They're going to be able to get that. And 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 it's funny, too, because not everybody's going to be the, is going to stay that long time with every school. You know what I'm saying? So the schools that get that long time with it with a kid. Yeah, that's going to that's going to need to be regulated. Yeah, they're going to have to regulate that because, you know, SEC would have kids. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, LSU have kids there for two weeks. Yeah. Like, actually, we got a laptop for you here. I can hear Ed Orange right now. We got a laptop for you here anyway. So, uh, what we're going to do is we're going to set you up here so you can do distance learning from wherever in California you got to go. Yeah. Yeah. You just be here for three weeks. <laughs> oh, I just – I'm Kidnapping kids. I, normally, official, official visits um, – we assume that they're a weekend. I don't know if it's legal legally that they can only use a weekend for official visits, uh, yeah. or, or day a cap on days because it's a cap on days. I know they can go for official visit. It doesn't have to be on the weekend. They can go for official visit anytime. But they do it in the summertime also. But once again, they still. Um, I don't know if there's a cap on days. Yeah, uh, that's the part I don't know. Because I imagine it has to be. But just in thinking about it. Well, I know there's a cap on like what you can spend on it. I think to that effect. I don't know if it's a it. It might be a financial cap. I know that there are things that you can purchase and cannot purchase. Yeah. I don't know if there's a okay, like that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think there is yeah. because, like I said, if you got a kid from California going to Florida, you you can't cap the. He brings his family. That's going to be a more expensive uh, ticket than. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. I don't think it's a financial cap. I think it is a, the item is it's itemized, so you. Can yeah, you can't like get a car. Things. and you and then that also goes to compliance. So you have to show like I spent this money on these things, but some some people's visits just come coming from where they're coming from going to be more expensive. I just don't know if it's a cap on days. If it's a cap on days, then good. If there's no cap on days, they're going to have to write up something real quick to say, hey, these kids doing distance learning, uh, we need a cap because they might literally spend a week there with their folks because their folks might be working from home. I mean, you'll have people at the University of Miami just chilling <laughs> like there for weeks. They've got South Beach, you know, they oh, yeah, 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 sure. so. That's the, but that's the thing. That's the people I'm worried about the most. And like I said, there's gonna be the most. There's gonna be more decommitments than ever before because there's more kids committed to schools at this point than ever before. <laughs> one class. There's gonna be more transfers. Yep. Um, and there's going to be more sleepers. What I think is gonna end up happening. There's gonna be kids that transfer to schools because they were fed a bunch of stuff that doesn't actually happen. And they're going to be mad. Like, I was told I was going to do this. I was going to play slot receiver, and they try to move me to safety or something like that. But it's also going to be people that are better than the schools that they sign with. And they're going to try to go to a different platform. 
And that's where those transfers are going to come. You're going to have guys that, like Quincy, Quincy Roche going to Temple, being a dog in the AAC. Mm-hmm. Like, I want a bigger platform. Jabril Cox, like you said, from North Dakota State. There's going to be a lot more of those kids be transferring in to these bigger programs. Class 2021 is going to be very interesting. And 2022 also is going to have some, some lingering. Yeah, I was going to say 2022, same thing. Yeah, you know, so it's going to be very interesting for the guys that are not ranked right now. Because if you're ranked right now, when they update these rankings, they don't have no new information. It's not like you killed at the opening. We're going to bump you up. It's not like you killed. Yeah, they, they were talking about that. They they had to rewatch. They were just – everybody just started rewatching all the tape again yep. just to see something they missed. That's how they're doing their re-rankings. They're watching, they're watching the same tape over again, not new information. So anybody that's currently ranked right now, you're in a better position than ever before because you're more stationary. Yeah. You're going to be there because they can't. You know what they're gonna do? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, Ken, as 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 always, we can talk forever. I want to uh, thank you once again, as always, being my my pigskin uh, aficionado to help talk about uh, NFL and college football leading up to this season. Um, you know, it's it's gonna be very interesting to see how this thing plays out. Um, keeping everybody's hopes and prayers, like hopes and prayers, in my mind as far as. I want football to happen. I don't want. I don't care if there's any fans. Um, the biggest reason I want football to happen this year, well, I want any sport to happen this year, is not just for entertainment value. Is these kids need these tapes to move on? Yeah, that's really what it boils down to. You got kids that have spent years and years perfecting this craft, not just football, of any sport, and this is what they want their profession to be, or this is where they at least to determine if this is the profession that they are going to pursue. And they, right. they need these games to show that, you know, this or something they need, you know? And so I'm worried about those people. I, I could, yeah. I'm not going to any college football games this year. Everyone like, I wouldn't be allowed to, I don't care. I want them to play. I want them to play their asses off. I want them to be safe, but it's because them playing is the impact of millions of dollars left on the table because there's going to be somebody like like a Joe Burrow. Yeah, you know that's what I was thinking. Like I was like, there's somebody out there that you say like Joe Burrow. Um, I for, for person I can think of right now, Warren Jackson from Colorado State, six foot five, two hundred twenty some odd pound guy. He's got good tape, but people are wondering, hey, can he do a little more? Can he do? Can he show some separation? Can he go to the senior bowl and figure out, you know, what can we see him in practice up close? Stuff like that. Like, he's a fringe guy, but can move himself up to, like, the second or third round with some really good tape this year. But, yeah, like, you know, those kids need their chance. <laughs> they need their chance, man. And there's, there's some D2 kids that are going to kill it this year. Mm-hmm. You know, we see it all the time. Guys that are D2 schools, D1 AA schools, or they're just at, you know, D1 schools, but, um, you know, then the schools aren't, aren't powerhouses and they step up, they, they jump into, you know, the first round, second round, third round, whatever they need that. And, and high school kids need this to move on to get college scholarships. That's the biggest thing for me. Um, same with high school. If I'm not allowed to go to a high school game, I'm fine with it. Um, I would like it to be televised um, so I can watch. But at the same time, if I can't see it, I'm fine with that too. 
as long as it's televised enough for coaches to see it and they can recruit them for it because I still want them to be able to have the opportunities to pursue their dreams. And that's the biggest reason why I'm an advocate for it in a safe environment. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not safe, then there's nothing we can do. Um, But I'm willing to do whatever in my mind, you know, I want whatever it takes for them to be able to do that. But it's not because I care about watching. It's because they, you know, so once again, Ken, thanks a lot for uh, being on the podcast once again. Always my pleasure, man. Uh, we'll definitely get back, especially once things start clearing up a little bit more. We know more direction of both NFL and college, um, you know, even some from high school. Definitely have you back on as always. Always my pleasure. Always my pleasure. All right, man. Talk to you soon. All right. See you later, everybody.